How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Good, yeah, it's good to be excited. So first off, I, um, you know, I have to say thank you for having that lunch for us and just um, just means the world to us. And I know sabbaticals are a huge blessing too, so excited for Pastor Lizzie. She gets to do that and just rest and, and just uh, enjoy some free time with the Lord and her family and herself. And so it's just a blessing to be able to have that. So today, <clears throat> if you don't know me, my name is Nate Westerfield, and, and uh, this morning I, I, have to, I have to admit we had a few technical problems. That's why the center screen's not working. So uh, we got it to work a little bit, right? So, and online we're able to get it working for you. So, um, but, you know, it, it's never fun when you come in in the morning and like, hey, it's not working, right? And you're like, what do you do? I don't know. I just don't have a clue. So, but... <clears throat> But we got it started, we got it ready to go, at least halfway, and so we're just glad you guys are here with us this morning. We get to serve together, sing together, learn God's word together, and uh, I'm excited. Last week, Pastor Chase talked about, um, you know, the paralytic man and Jesus and how he handled that whole situation and what those friends, the extremes they went to, right, to get their friend in front of Jesus. And today, I get the opportunity to talk to you about uh, just a different, a different miracle that Jesus did in the disciples' lives. And they weren't even the, the disciples at the time. Um, but as we get into this, it made me think about um, some things that maybe if you grew up in the 90s like I did, um, as you worked in the mall, as I worked in the mall, I worked at Backrack Suit clothes, Clothing Store, right? And so I like to look nice, right? I like to look good. And uh, and I like to make money, right? So we sold suits. We got like 7%. That was great, man. People come drop three grand in suits, like, bang, here we go, right? So, um, but, but when I worked at the mall, one of those big popular fads in the 90s was uh, those pictures. Do you remember those pictures that you had to stare at and you had to look at, right? They're called magic eye pictures. There's an image of, a, of, of one, um, if Sydney can get up there or, or uh, Justin can. If they can't, that's no problem. We've had technical problems today. It's not their fault. So... That's the lake. That's Galilee. You see a Galilee. So one more before that, Sydney. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Sydney's a good sport up there. Good job. But remember these? Remember these pictures that you'd, you'd be walking down the mall and you'd have your friends. They'd just be staring at it. And I hope it's not a dirty picture in there. I don't know what it was. Because so I, I, I can never see them myself. I could never, ever get what the image was in these, in these magic eye photos. And so people would stand there, right? And some would be like, you got to stare really close. And it's like, stare, right? It's okay, Rebecca, right? Yeah, so, and you just look, and then others would be like, you got to blink real fast, and you'll see it, right? And then, and then other people would be like, it's all, and just relaxing. Just look, and look, boom, there it is, right? Right? That's, there's all these different ways that we got to see the photo, right? Maybe, I never did. I, I think maybe one time, I was like, I think I see it. But I never, ever was able to get those. And so it was always a struggle for me in that. But I think in our own lives, a lot of times, right, we want to see God's outcome in our life in a certain way, right? We have a certain desire to see God's will work out in a certain way for us. And a lot of times that can be really frustrating because we want to see it our way, maybe not his way. And so as we dive into this today, I want us just to be reminded that no matter what, God knows all. He knows what's best for us. He knows when it's best for us. And he knows when we need to see it and when we don't need to see it. And so as we look at this scripture, let's just be praying that in our own lives. That today, God, open my eyes to maybe look at things differently, to be patient 
and the things that you've put in my path. And maybe those things that I'm struggling with, I'm wrestling with, maybe the things that I'm walking through that I don't understand, God, help me to see your purpose and your plan in those things. But before we begin, let's open up in prayer. Dear God, we just thank you for today. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness and for your grace and for your love and your mercy. God, help us today to see those in our own lives. To see your truths played out in our our families, our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, God, and all the different things that we interact with, God. Help us to see you in all that we do and everything, God. And when we're stuck and we're pushing and, and forcing our way into one situation, God, help us to be able to listen, to step back, God, and to hear your voice. God, and to be able to be obedient to what you'd have us to do. And if it's to be, look another way, to look another way. God, I pray that you open our eyes this morning to your truths. I pray that's your name, amen. Amen. So as we dig into this, uh, let's open up uh, your Bibles or your Bible app to Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, beginning in... Uh, Verse 1 there, we're going to read through that to verse 11. And uh, I just want to read this here. I'll start. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats, uh, both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed them. So now I think it's important for us to start with a few facts, okay? So in the ESV, we, we read a, a little bit different version of the lake, and we'll get to that. But what happened here uh, in Jesus' time is there was three primary ways of working, of trades, right? Three primary ways. First was shepherding. The second was farming. And the third was fishing, okay? So three industries that existed, shepherding, farming, and fishing. And of course, we see in this, in this picture, this story here with Jesus, we see them fishing. Now, all these um, elements happened around the Sea of Galilee, Galilee in Israel there. And what was funny is, not today it's the case, but back in Jesus' day, right around um, the sea, there was about nine different townships, right? About 15,000 people lived in each township or more. So you have uh, about 135,000, 140,000 people plus, about the size of Peoria, right? Maybe a little bit bigger than that, living around the sea, right? So it was a a huge area of commerce, right? The sea itself um, was um, a pretty large uh, sea, right? It's um, 
about 64 square miles, and it just has a lot of um, size to it, all right? And we'll get to that for a minute. But what's funny is, as we read in the ESV version, it's not the sea, it's a lake, right? The Bible calls a lake, a gana, uh, I can't say it right, Ganesaret, right? So it is more of a lake, but we have three um, names for the Sea of Galilee. It's the Sea of Tiberias, which is named after the Roman emperor Tiberius. Um, we have the Lake of Gennesaret, which is here in the ESV, right? And then we have the Sea of Galilee, which I think most of us are probably, have probably heard it referred to that. Now, why the Sea of Galilee? That's just tradition. That's what they've called it for a long time. And that's why we call it the Sea of Galilee. But what's cool about the Lake of Gennesaret, the word there, is it actually has three different meanings, okay? Three different meanings. Um, the first meaning could be this. It's a, the Hebrew word kinor, K-I-N-N-O-R, and it means this. It speaks of the sea's fruit being as sweet as the sound of a harp. So I think of the waves, right, coming against the shore. And so somebody just thought of the, the beautifulness and the sweetness of those waves hitting the shore, and so they call it that word. Another name for it is gan and sar, which means a prince of gardens, right? It was lush and green around the lake. And then third was this, was gone, same thing, garden, and asher, a garden of riches. Now, think about that as a fisherman, right? It's full of fish. Fish gets you money. Money gets you things, right? It's a garden of riches. And so I think it's important for us to understand what the people of that day, even people today, um, view the Sea of Galilee as, right? It's not just a lake. It's not just something we have around us. No, there's a meaning for it. There's a purpose for it, right? And, and they give the names to it as such. And here's a few more facts. It is the lowest freshwater lake on earth, right? It sits at 209 meters, or about 686 feet below sea level. It's the largest lake in Israel, 64 square miles. It's located in the northeastern part of Israel. It nears the borders of Jordan and Syria. It's Israel's largest source of fresh water. And still today, a lot of commercial fishing happens on that sea. Now, that's a lot of information that you'll be able to answer like in a Bible trivia question, right? <laughs> right? So it's a lot of information about the Sea of Galilee, right? The Lake of Gennesaret, right? Or the uh, Sea of Tiberias. However you want to call it, you'll know it by those names as such. As Lizzie talked about, study your Bible. It's good that we understand that a lot of times throughout the Hebrew language, one word had maybe one, two, maybe three different meanings. Similar in nature, but they direct us on different paths and how we interpret the word of God. So here's Jesus. He's a teacher. He's walking along the waters. He's left the synagogue, right? He's been teaching in there. He's not going to be going back to the synagogue for a little while. And here he's teaching and people are following him, right? And the people are starting to get larger and larger and they're starting to push him towards the shore. And so he sees these fishermen here and he says, hey, you guys have been working all night. You've been fishing, but do you mind if I get in your boat? And if you just push out from the land a little bit so I can teach and continue to share um, what God has given me to share. And they oblige, right? And so in Luke 5, 2 and 3, we read that. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people of Israel. And then this is what's, Interesting, right? Now, think about this. How many of you guys, after a shift, eight hours, nine, ten, 
11, 12 hours, right? The nursing industry working 12, 13, 14 hours. How many hours are you ready to go home? Are you ready to go home? Yeah. You're ready to get done. You're ready to get out. And then you're like, you're at your computer. You're finishing up that last email and somebody goes, hey, do you have a minute? And you're like, no, I don't have a minute. I am going home. I'm clocking out right, but we really need you. Yeah, whatever. Okay, what do you need, right? Right, because you imagine, I think that's what Peter was like. Jesus walks up, he's washing his nets. Man, they're just about ready to close shop. And here's this teacher guy. He's walking up. He's like, hey, can you guys... Can you guys help me out? And they're like, man, my wife's got dinner. I mean, we didn't catch anything all day long. We didn't catch one blasted thing, and I'm hungry. We at least could have cooked a fish on the boat while we were catching or something like that. Ate something on the boat, but I am hungry. I am ready to go home. I don't want to go out, but, but man, there's a lot of people listening to you. There's a lot of people that want to hear what you have to say. So, yeah, I can help you do that, right? And we see them take that time to let Jesus come out in the boat and teach them. But here's the next part, right? In verses four through six. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we, we toiled all night long. It took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. See, I think it's right here. It's important for us to note some things. And first is this, that Jesus knows the right time and place to reveal the miracle for our eyes to see. He always knows the right time and place to reveal the miracle for our eyes to see. See, in this same time frame, who knows how long Jesus spoke, right? We don't know what Jesus really spoke of in that moment either. All we do know is that he spoke from the boat. And then when he had finished, he tells the guys who've been working all night to, hey, let's just go out into the lake and I want you guys to drop your nets. And they're like, dude, what? we've been out there all night. There's nothing, right? Nothing, 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 nothing. We promise you. But then Peter says, but at your word, we don't drop our nets. And so they go out, they do what he says. And it leads us to number two, right? And I think this is our part to play. That when Jesus opens our eyes to see that miracle, that two, we need to be obedient to look where Jesus tells us to look. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing and this is what we got to love about Peter. But at your word, I will let down the nets. How many times have you heard God speak to you and you didn't take it? There's been something in your life that's kept coming up and you know it's the Lord. And you know it's God speaking to you. And you just know that he's continuing to press on you. But you didn't take him at his word. You doubted. You questioned. You tried to find ways to affirm it, right? Is this really God? I've been there. I've done that. And sometimes it's, it's hard for us just to just say, God, I know that's what you said in my heart. And I got to run with it. And I got to believe it. And then we see Peter. 
And we find out this is just Peter's nature overall, right? He's like, hey, you said drop your nets. I'll drop my nets. How do we become more like Peter? Simon, right? How do we become more like him? To say, God, at your word, I'm going to drop the nets. At your word, I'm going to go here. At your word, I'm going to go there. I have to be honest. It's, it, it was a hard road navigating whether or not it was the right time to, to leave Great Oaks as full-time role, right? Because it's been 15 years, right, of here. 15 years of what I know, what I love, right? Who I love, you guys. But man, I'm excited about the new opportunity God's taken me and, and how I still get to be used by him to reach others. Now, that, that Sunday on the 26th, I'm going to be a sobbing basket. <laughs> because sometimes it's hard for us to trust the Lord because we know what we know. And we don't want that to change because it's comfortable, it's easy. We don't have to do anything new. We don't have to be challenged. We don't have to be pushed. We just get to stay right here and comfortable, right? But what God loves to do is he loves to show us another way, another opportunity to show us that in his goodness and in his grace, he knows what's best for us. And we see the miracle that happens, right? I can only imagine that all night long they were tossing it off the same side of the boat because they've known time after time that this has worked, right? They knew all the tips and tricks. They're expert fishermen, right? They're good at their job. They know what they're doing. Like me, I know what I'm doing in and out every day, every day. It's like, man, we got this down like clockwork. And we do the same thing and the same thing and the same thing over and over again. And then finally, nothing comes out of it. They're tired, they're hungry, and here comes Jesus, and he says, throw your, bet, boat, your nets on the other side and let them down in the deep. And as they start to pull those nets up, they begin to rip and tear because they're so full. They're so full of fish that they have to call over the other boat and say, hey, come and help us, guys, because we've got a catch that we can't carry. We've got a catch of fish that we can't handle. We've got a catch of fish that's gonna last us monetarily throughout the year because we've got so much. Come and help us. Come and help us pull this load. And then they pull it in the boats and then the boats begin to sink. So many fish. So much blessing in the obedience that they followed. Now, don't mistake that. I'm not saying that if you give $100, God's gonna give you a million, right? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that our obedience to God's call is going to result in some blessing in our life, whether that be peace on the decision that we've made. It'll be rectifying some relationships. There'll be a benefit in that because God blesses those he loves. He always, always takes care of us. And then I love what happens next. And I think this is something that oftentimes when we're coming face to face with Jesus, we don't always recognize this. And Simon Peter says this, right? He says, 
In verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Everybody else is celebrating in the catch, and they're hurling it in, and they're pulling it in, and the thing we see Peter do is he gets down to Jesus' knees and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. We need to be sure to see Jesus for who he really is. Peter saw him in this light, that Peter, Simon, that he's a sinner, that he's not worthy, that he is inadequate, that he is puny compared to to God, to Jesus, and that he doesn't belong near Jesus. Because he saw in this miracle, right, the greatness and the power that resides in Jesus. He saw that I I'm so small compared to who he is. That I am so tiny. Such a small piece in the puzzle compared to who Jesus is. But then as Jesus always does, right? Verse four, Jesus helps us see our need. Or not verse four, number four. Jesus helps us see our need for him in order to help others See him. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Think about this. They get in the boats. They wait patiently with the teacher as he teaches the people truths. They set out. As the teacher instructs, and not only set out, but they drop their nets as he instructs them to do so. And out of it comes a plethora of fish. So much so, they have a hard time even getting it back to shore. And then Peter, in that moment, recognizes first and foremost that I am unfit, unworthy to be near this man. To be near Jesus, because he is too great too good, too righteous, too holy, too perfect. He is powerful and mighty. But in that moment, just like Jesus on the cross, when the thief is next to him, he says, don't be afraid. The grace and the love that he speaks to him, right? The grace and the love that he gives to Peter and says, hey, I'm gonna make you be uh, fishers of men. For us of us, for those of us who have, you know, walked this life and been Christ followers, I think a lot of times, you know, we we listen to sermons like this and we're like, hey, this is this is a good reminder of what God has done. It's a good reminder that He is the great teacher, that He did some amazing miracles throughout the New Testament. And I think as we look at our own lives, we go, Maybe I haven't seen a miracle of healing or a miracle of caught fish or uh, maybe I haven't seen my job explode and seen it in this uh, capacity. But the miracles of God are everywhere each and every day. I got up this morning and I got to see bright and early the sunrise, right? We get to see the world around us. We get to see each other in this room, right? 
that we get to walk and talk, that we get to be around each other, that we get to see new life brought into this world through our sons and daughters, right? We get to see all these different miracles, and oftentimes, sometimes, my own life including, we get stuck looking in one direction, and we forget to take a minute, a second, maybe longer, and let God show us the miracles that are around us each and every day. I'm sure you've said this yourself, but my uh, oldest, Parker, just had his last, you know, junior high baseball game the other day, right? And um, they lost 9-8. It was a great game, right? You look back at the game and say, we should have done this, we should have done that, we could have done this differently. But in the end, the miracle is that he's my son. And it doesn't matter what he did right or wrong. I love him. And my other boys, my wife. Because they're miracles in themselves. And Jesus... May he save me. And I'm a sinner. And I doubt. And I don't always trust. But man, God is faithful even in my weaknesses. And if you don't believe in Jesus... Man, I tell you what, there's, there's nothing like him. He did everything that he's done because he loves you and he loves me. He called Simon and James and John and the other disciples. He called them because he saw in them a heart and a passion that was gonna change the world. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he doesn't leave us just to do it on our own. He gives us his Holy Spirit to guide us, to walk us through his word. He gives us each other to encourage each other, to push each other on. Just like uh, Simon and James John, they were partners. They had to work together to get the fish into the boat. It wasn't one man job. It was a team of people that had to work together, strive together, trust God together to get the catch into the boat. And I think the beautiful thing about us is God says, man, you don't have to do it alone. I've put a a plethora of believers around you. People that you get to walk hand in hand with. That can help you in your high times and celebrate with you, but that can also hold you up in the low times. For those of you that maybe don't believe in Jesus, that's, that's what we get in this. We get a family. And we don't always get along, right? Just like any family. But we have a love and a compassion for each other that pushes us to love one another and to love those that don't agree with us. And I tell you what, in a world that is so divided, 
We need to be the first ones to step up and say, no matter what, whether we agree or not, I love you because Jesus loves you because he loves me. And I've got a lot of problems. I got a lot of issues, but man, he loves me. And so if you're maybe thinking about Jesus, we wanna give you an opportunity today to say yes to him. For us believers, maybe who have been looking at uh, maybe what we want out of life, maybe it's time that we take a look in another direction. I'm not saying it'll be the right thing, but man, maybe it will be the, the miracle we need. I know there's a lot of needs. I know there's a lot of questions we may have sometimes about why God's doing things in our life the way he does. And one day, if we've said yes to Jesus, I know we'll get all the answers we need. We, or maybe at that point, we won't even care about the answers anymore because we'll have the peace that we get to see in him. But as we continue to walk hand in hand with the Lord, as we strive to be like him each and every day, maybe today, maybe today is a time for you just to maybe say, God, you know what, I've been looking here this whole time and I just need to turn my eyes and I need to look in another direction. Or maybe I need to look at my life group or my accountability partner and say, hey, can you help me? Because I've been looking at it from this direction my whole life for the last couple years and I just don't seem to see an answer. Can you maybe point me in another direction? Maybe God will use them to find some breakthrough in that. And because Great Oaks is a church of life groups, I think it's important that all of you guys get involved in one. Because like James and John and Simon, they had each other to help each other pull in the catch. And as Jesus walks out of the boat, right? And as they walk out of the boat with them, they leave the biggest catch they've probably caught in their entire life. They leave it to those to tend it. And they follow Jesus and say, we'll follow you. And no longer will we catch fish, but we're gonna catch men and women for you. And our life groups is a great way to invite maybe a neighbor that doesn't know the Lord into a group that, hey, we just get together and we have some snacks and we talk about the Bible and you know, you're welcome to join us. Even if you don't believe, you're just welcome to be a part of it, right? Life groups don't have to be this funnel that you go to church and then you do life groups and then you get into classes. They can be the front door a lot of times so that a family who maybe doesn't feel comfortable coming to church, maybe they're comfortable coming into your home because they know you, because they've hung out with you. And maybe, just maybe they need another family to help come alongside of them and help them out through life. So if you be any one of those, right? Maybe it's you never said yes to Jesus. You wanna do that this morning. Maybe you're just asking God to open your eyes and to point you in another direction. Or maybe you're not in a life group. Man, let's pray this morning together. That first and foremost, those who say yes to Jesus, man, that's an exciting thing. The Bible tells us that when you say yes, all of heaven rejoices. For us, that or maybe need some just encouragement from the Lord. I pray that you receive that today. That God would 
open your eyes to a new miracle. And that as we look to get plugged in, as we look to strengthen each other, that you join a life group. You can stop by Connection Central. They'll get you connected and get you plugged in. And it may not happen right away. That's okay. Relationships take time. They take work, right? But I believe, I believe that God's gonna bless it if you just say yes. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, I just thank you for who you are. You're a good and gracious God. And Lord, you've done so many miracles in each of our lives already. And God, it's so easy to get bogged down in all the mundane and the routine things of this life. And God, just help us to see your goodness. To the morning sunrise, to the sunset, to the families that we have, to those who have gone before us that we miss. God, you give us memories and you remind us of things. And no matter where we are in our life, God, if we've never said yes to you, God, as they pray that prayer to welcome you into their lives, God, I just pray that you flood them with your love and your grace. For those of us in this room, God, that just need our eyes turned, or our head turned into another direction to see your miracle, God, I just pray that a miracle will become evident. Lord, that your truth would come out and that, God, there would be stories out of this day that we get to hear of people who found freedom or have found joy or found peace or, God, have found physical healing as well. Lord, to see your goodness come in their life. And, Lord, for those who feel alone and feel like they're doing life on their own, God, I just pray that you help them get plugged into a group a group of believers that can encourage them, pour into them, and lift them up, walk alongside of them, God, so that they know that you love them because you've loved us and you love them too. God, I thank you for goodness and your grace. You're a good and faithful God. Give her all the praise and glory. Amen.